Welcome to the HBG Bible Talks podcast, where we do simple, focused reading and discussion from God's Word, the Bible. I'm Stephen. And I'm Chase. We are Bible teachers in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and we're excited to get into the Word and to share it with others. All right, so we're ready to wrap up uh, this opening section of Ephesians 4. We've been going a little slower through this section. There's just so many rich concepts and ideas here uh, to meditate on, and unity is the center of all of them. Uh, He's described the body of Christ um, and how we need to have these attitudes in the first couple of verses, that those are essential to unity. He's talked about the seven ones of unity, one body, one spirit. Yeah, and then in verses 7 through 13, he's discussed with us this kind of cool, he uses some military language about um, really Jesus who who led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And Paul is borrowing some language from Psalm 68 and we talked about what those gifts were. Of course, those were the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers and how those were given to equip the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And this is going to be done until we attain to the unity of the faith. And so it's going to go on forever and ever, basically. <laughs> These guys are here to help us grow. Um, and so today, we're going to turn our attention to, um, I guess the way to put it, uh, as we've titled it, is how to be united through being mature Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, unity through maturity. Yeah. And we're kind of picking up in the middle of a sentence. Some of these Ephesian sentences in Paul's letters are really long, uh, depending on uh, how you divide them up. But I'm going to pick back up reading in verse 11, and we're going to really be focusing on verses 16, or excuse me, verses 14 through 16 today. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, so maybe everyone saw that language that was used, um, where is it, there back in verse um, in verse 13, uh, where he says, we, we want to attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. That's the contrast we're looking at in verse 14, so that we may no longer be children. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the goal. We, we don't want to be like little toddlers running around. We all want to mature. We want to grow up. Um, I love how it ended in verse 13. We want to go to this mature man or this grown man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Yeah. We talked about last week how it's, we want to grow up and, and be like our father. That, that We want to be like him. We want to look like him. We want to act like him. That's the goal. And so part of that is stop being children. Uh, that, that's, yep. that's, we're not going to settle there. What does a mature man look like? Christ. Yeah, <laughs> he exactly. is the measure of maturity. And so he kind of gives the inverse of that in verse 14. Don't be children, and how are children um, 
pictured here, they are unstable. They're easily persuaded. They're tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. So he kind of shifts metaphors a little bit to a sailing metaphor. And it's like, it's like a ship tossed out in the wind on the ocean without an anchor. Um, whichever way the wind blows, that's the way the ship right. goes. And in some ways, you know, the idea of a toddler or, or a child being, you know, so innocent and stuff, in some ways that, that's a sweet metaphor. But the point here is, is you don't stay there. You've got to move on past that. You yeah. know, it's expected for them to be children for a while. And it's actually really dangerous when we expect too much of kids before they are mature. But Paul is pointing out that you can't stay like that forever. Right. It's time to grow up. Yeah, it is notable that there are sometimes in the Bible where the same metaphor will be used in opposite ways depending on the context. Right. This is true with like leaven. Yeah, uh, leaven is used negatively a couple of times. Talk about like church discipline, you know, uh-huh. a little leaven. Leaven is the whole lump. Jesus, beware of the the leaven of Herod and the Pharisees. But then he'll also say the kingdom of heaven is like leaven uh-huh. that a woman hid, you know, and it until it was all leavened, and so is leaven good or bad? Well, it depends on the context. It depends on the parable. It depends on the metaphor. And Jesus would say, unless you become like little children, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. He's like, you got to be like a kid. And here Paul is saying, don't be like a kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it just it depends on what part of the metaphor we're focusing on. There are ways in which we need to imitate children. And then there are ways that we need to move beyond being a child. So let's talk about this for just a second, Stephen. So in verse 14, we're going to be, it says, don't be tossed here and there by the waves carried out by every wind of doctrine. What do you think he means by that? And the word for doctrine is just the word for teaching. Sometimes we have a, a, a distinction that's made that's like, oh, well, is that like moral teaching or is it doctrinal teaching? And to say doctrinal teaching is actually kind of redundant. Yeah. It's like uh-huh. t- teaching, teaching. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, the word doctrine just means teaching. Yeah. Um, so the yeah. idea then would be don't be tossed here and, and there by just any teaching that comes in. And right. so especially back then what would have been prevalent was Gnosticism teaching or maybe some of the Judaizers and some of those different things that could be coming into the church. Yeah, and, and every time period, every age has its own set of ideals, ideologies that are popular and kind of the mainstream mm-hmm. of that day. Uh, whether you lived in the first century or the 21st century, there are certain winds of teaching that are true of the day. And, I mean, now we live in what we call the postmodern world uh-huh. where truth is kind of relative. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, there's not just one way to God. It's kind of the popular idea or spirit- being spiritual without being religious. Uh I don't need church. You know, there's just winds of teaching that weren't really prevalent in previous generations, but the wind has shifted and now we're in a different world. And a lot of these teachings, they start in truth. They develop from what was truth and then they go from there. And so that's important to note because of what Paul calls calls it. He calls it the trickery of men, the craftiness in deceitful scheming. Mm -hmm. It might look good. It might sound good. But is it actually truth? And what Paul's trying to point out is that mature manhood are people who stand firm in the Word of God. They stand firm in Christ. And um, that's what we got to look to despite first century Christians or 21st century Christians. Yeah, that's right. And really, this is the mark of maturity. When we grow up, we're not just carried away by any new teaching that comes along. Even if the world around us is carried by it 
for the most part. Uh, we have to be willing to swim upstream as Christians. We can't just go with the flow. Jesus would say in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, broad is the way that leads to destruction. There are many that go that way. And so we have to be willing, again, a mark of maturity is developing a spiritual backbone by willing to say, well, maybe my friends or my family or the people around me are all going the way the culture is going and because the cultural winds have shifted. But I can't be like that. That would be to be childish. That would be to be immature spiritually. I have to learn to stand firm in the winds of cultural teaching. You know, this kind of reminds me of something Paul will say to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 um, when he says that there's going to be a time that comes when they will not endure sound doctrine or teaching is that Mm -hmm. same word there. But wanting to have their ears tickled, (laughs) kind of a funny way to say that, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to Miz. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Paul says there's going to come a time where people are going to try and shift you. They're going to want to have their ears tickled. But you, Timothy, your job, stick in the mud. You know, Don't move. <laughs> Stay in Jesus. Um, do the work of an evangelist. And that's the similar admonition here. Uh, to individual Christians is to, despite how the culture is moving and despite what people want to hear, we stick with what Jesus said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. And so, again, the contrast, he, he verse 15, is now going to shift back into saying, okay, don't be blown around by every wind of doctrine, but rather, I love this one phrase, speaking the truth in love. Mm-hmm. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, which goes back to that idea in verse 13, you know, until we all attain to mature manhood, the stature of the fullness of Christ. But the way we do that is by speaking the truth in love. Yeah. And those two things are so, so important. Truth and love are, are just foundational concepts in Scripture, and we have to have both of them. Mm-hmm. So let's just kind of dissect that for a second. So you can be someone that speaks truth. You come back to what the scriptures say, and you're even maybe proud that you are teaching the truth. But if you don't have love, is anyone really going to actually hear what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Maybe you're finding pride in the fact that you have the truth, and so you communicate it in a way that's not helpful. And that just kind of comes across as hateful of, well, I'm better than you because I have the truth. It's all lost at that point. Well, if you flip that on its head and you come in and you love somebody, but you're not willing to tell them the truth of the matter, that's also not good. And so you see where these two things meet in perfect harmony. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent cross. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13. That's yeah. right. And I love uh, the book of Second John. Actually, all of John's writings yeah. do a good job with truth and love. But Second yeah. John is like, my little children whom I love in truth. Yeah. There's just so many cool connections with this theme of love and truth. It's cool to do a word search on that sometime. Both okay. of those yeah. have come up. That's cool. But um, speaking the truth in love, like you just explained, Chase, without one or the other, we become imbalanced and immature. Again, maturity is being able to have truth and love and harmony because our our culture right now, again, this ties in with the winds of doctrine, mm-hmm. um, is really, really big on love and on acceptance and tolerance. You know, this is the, the rhetoric of the day. This is the way people speak. And, oh, if you really are, are of God, then you're going to love people. You're going to love people. A- amen. I mean, Jesus said, you know, if uh, you're... 
all men will know that you're my disciples if you love each other. Mm-hmm. Love is indispensable. I mean, Paul writing First Corinthians thirteen. If I don't, if I have, you know, have all of these other gifts but don't have love, what's the point? Mm-hmm. It's empty. But this generation doesn't appreciate as much, maybe as previous generations, the search for truth, capital T truth, that there is a teaching from God that must not be deviated from. And it's not relative to my culture or my time. It is an eternal rock solid truth. God says this, and that's the rule, period. It's not bendable. It's not flexible. It's not relative. Um, it is the truth. And um, we've got to be willing to to stand. And and again, like you illustrated, you know, the, the challenge is different for different people individually. Some of us may struggle more with truth and some of us may struggle more with love. Mm-hmm. But it's also just true of generations in general. Um, that There's a time where a whole generation is really strong on truth, maybe not as strong on love. Or this generation, at least the way I perceive it now, that might be stronger on love but needs to listen more to truth and rejoice in the truth. And so each of us have to kind of self-evaluate and say, okay, like, am I speaking the truth? The only way we can know that is to be people of the book and say, like, what does the scripture say? I need to be solid on what I believe and why I believe it and be able to defend that. And once I know that, make sure that I am doing that from a place of love and compassion and patience with other people. I think one of the biggest ways our culture pushes this idea of, of having love but not wanting to seek truth. Have you guys ever heard the phrase, you know, well, we all worship the same God. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter what church building you're in, if it says Christ or God on it, or if you're even praying to some Allah or some type of higher being, it's all the same God. And so if it's that we can rally around. Exactly. That Yes, that is the definition of postmodernism. And if we can rally around that, we can love each other. It's kind of like, well, I see where you're coming from. Yes, you find, you're finding something in common, and that's a good trait to want to exercise. Um, that's one of my favorite things to do with people is to find something in common and then go from there. But we can't sell out truth. We, we can't neglect the fact that or uh, overlook the fact that what they're teaching in that building is the complete opposite right. of what's being taught over here. It can't I, I, both be true. Exactly. So we have to seek what the scriptures say about that. God is not the, he's not the author of confusion. He, he's not here to confuse all of us if we will all just come back to what he says. Right. And Christ is the measure of both of these things. Right. And I love, as you go through the Gospels, there are several examples of where, uh, I kind of like the example of the the paralyzed man who is healed in John 5, where Jesus finds him later and says, you know, you've, you've been made well, go your way, yeah. you know? And he says, and don't sin, yeah. so that nothing worse will happen to yeah, you. You know, no yeah. he's, he's got grace and he's got truth. He's got mm-hmm. love and he's got truth. And you see that in Jesus, man. I mean, it's easy to emphasize one part of Jesus' teaching. We're we're maybe really big on the hard things that Jesus said. Unless you do this, you cannot be my disciple. You take up your cross. This is God's will for marriage. This is God's will for, you know, behavior in your heart. And like, Jesus preached some hard things. But he also said some really compassionate things. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You know, it's it, and we. It's easy to emphasize one to the neglect of the other, and Jesus perfectly models maturity because he perfectly models truth and love. Jesus spoke the truth in love, and again, 
That's why he says, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Yeah, so let's talk about that for just a second. Um, This is actually something we had seen back in chapter 1 in verse 22 and 23. Uh, Speaking about Jesus, Paul said, And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. When we talk about Christ being the head, really the, the word we're looking for that I think sums this up well is authority. Christ has the authority. That's the seat of that's the seat he's in. And uh, this is something we actually emphasized in season one in the Gospel of Mark that Christ had authority. He had authority over the unclean spirits. He was able to cleanse the unclean. He was able to heal the sick. He was able to forgive sins. And people recognize this man has authority. And that is still true today. He died on the cross for our sins. Um, and so he is seated at the right hand of God. He is the head of this body. He has the authority. As the body submits to the head, so we have to submit to Christ. And doesn't that come back to our truth idea here? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's where truth begins is with the authority. He gets to determine what it is. I don't. Jesus says, I am the way the truth uh-huh. and the life. No Excellent. one comes to the Father except through me. Great Jesus time. is the truth. Amen. Um, and God is love. Yeah. <laughs> so it's both that he is love and he is truth. Uh, he is the identity of those things. So this brings us to verse 16, which is really just a very practical uh, working out of these principles. As we're speaking the truth and love to each other, um, he continues the analogy of the head and the body. Christ is the head. We're growing up into him. But then the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, which is just a cool concept to think about a body and to think about joints in a body. That uh, without joints, you could have great arms and legs and head and all these things. You would just be a noodle. <laughs> you would, well, you would just be multiple pieces. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess that's true. <laughs> you would yeah. be a pile of parts laying on the floor and not able to work together. Yeah, exactly. And so joints are critical for the body to work together. And joints have a couple of main um, functions. They connect and they also nourish. And this is where I like to go to Colossians for just a second. Colossians 2.19 is a parallel passage in uh, this letter. There's so many things about Ephesians and Colossians that are parallel. But he says in Colossians 2.19, And not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. So do you see what the joints do there? They nourish and they knit together together. Oh, that's interesting. Mine says being supplied and held together. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Well, if you think about that, that's what joints do is right. like through my elbow there are like blood and nutrients and other uh-huh. things get to my forearm and my hand and my fingers. Without that, like it can't be nourished by the things that are coming from my head and my heart and lungs and all that stuff. And so as we think about that, like in a in the body of Christ, and particularly in like a local body of Christ, a local church, I have to think of myself, okay, I am, I am a joint. I need to function properly myself, but I also need to serve as a doorway for nourishment to other people. As I receive good teaching, as I am built up by other people, I need to pay it forward. I need to say, hey, who, who around me needs the nourishment that I'm receiving right now? Yeah. And if I think in those terms, that's how the mature think. I'm not just looking out for me, but I'm looking to pass on the things that I've received. Going with that. So you figure out your hand, and you know what the hand can do. So whenever 
hand stuff needs to happen, you get in there and you work. And I mean, that, that's the idea in verse 16, according to the proper working of each individual yes. part. Each part knows its strengths. They know what they're good at, so that's what they're going to do. And I'll, go, I'll say this. Um, being an evangelist, but, but also just a member of the Lord's Church in general, it's tricky to figure out which part is in it. Mm-hmm. it. It can be so hard sometimes to determine in any group of people, where should I be working? Where should I be serving? What should my role be? And uh, I'll just say, it's okay if you don't know. Yep. But try and different it, things. And Serve. It might, jump and it, in. And it might change from place to place. Yes, depending exactly. Depending on what the needs are of the people around you. But That's right. Maturity is looking outside of yourself. Um, you've got to first figure out, okay, how can I work properly as a part of the body? I need to be holding fast to the head. I need to be listening to the truth. And I need to learn to speak the truth in love. I mean, he's given Mark some maturity going all the way back to verses, you know, one through three with, uh, you know, humility and bearing with each other and eager to maintain unity. I need to make sure that I have the attitudes in my own heart first, but then looking at, okay, how can I be a joint how can I connect other people? This is one area where I really like Barnabas mm-hmm. in the book of Acts because there were times where Barnabas was doing good work, but there was more than one occasion when he's like, you know, I know somebody else who would be really uh-huh. good to help out here. And like, he helps Saul out twice. He helps him yeah. get connected with the church in Jerusalem when he's first converted. And then in Antioch, it's Barnabas who goes and gets Saul and brings uh-huh. him there. And that ends up becoming Saul's kind of headquarters for it, the missionary journey. And it is, it's just kind of funny, too, because Saul will kind of in some ways go on not, not to do more important work than Barnabas, but he he takes center stage in the book of Acts, and Barnabas is the one that has brought him kind of, kind of in. And at no point does Barnabas get jealous or mad or anything right. like that. He just keeps doing his job. And if, that, if that's the admonition here, that's what it is. Do your job. You know, figure out what your job is yeah. and do it. And it's not the recognition is not the important thing. No. It's the building up of the body. And I love the way he describes it at the end here when he says, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There it That's goes. A beautiful, Full circle. It's a beautiful picture. Uh-huh. That, that the body, I mean, the, the heart and the liver and the lungs and the arms and the legs and the brain, like all the parts are doing the thing they do. But if one part isn't working properly... It messes up a lot of stuff. But when every part is working properly, it contributes to every other part of the body. Um, it's amazing to me um, that like some of the health problems, you know, that we struggle with. I'm aware of somebody right now struggling with some particular like hormone issues. And like how one part of the body can just throw everything else out of whack. Yeah. And but when one part's working properly how many things are helped in the body by that one part doing what it's supposed to do. And so we need to think of ourselves in that way. Um, is what parts of the body need help, need encouragement, need, uh, you know, the truth spoken in love <laughs> to that part of the body. Um, or if I'm the part of the body that's needing help, reaching out for help and saying, hey, I'm hurting right now. I need some help to do the role that I need to do. Um, because I'm, I'm low on energy. I'm low on resources right now. Help me out. Um, or being willing to give. If we're the one who's like, hey, like I've got some extra time. I've got some extra resources to help out my brethren. Let's figure out how we can connect. And, you know, this year has made that tough, hasn't it? Yeah, um, it has. With a lot of separation, a lot of uh, isolation that's happened. And the body hasn't always functioned as well as it should. And uh, now that things are 
different places opening up in different ways, it's a great time to be thinking about how can I function as a joint? Yeah. How can I connect the body? I, I'll tell you a really dangerous mentality to get into for Christians that I'm afraid is all too often the, the case for a lot of people is, you know, as long as I go to church and as long as I'm just kind of at home, sitting on my couch, watching TV, you know, doing whatever, as long as I'm not in anyone's way, I'm not hurting anybody. You know, if I just kind of do my thing, I'm not hurting anyone. And I think Paul would say, actually, you are hurting someone by not doing anything. A, you're hurting yourself. You're not growing up. You're not being mature like I'm calling you to. But you also might have a trait or, a, or some type of gift that God's given you that would be perfect for somebody. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're sitting in your house and just showing up at church and leaving, you're not able to help people. You, you might be hurting someone. And so I think that's a really dangerous mentality that I think a lot of our, our postmodern culture is trying to push is just, you know, show up to church, do your thing, and then get out. And that's not what Paul is saying here. He's saying, get involved. Yes. And so the, the, the question for each of us is, is, is what am I doing as a member of, of my local congregation? Or do I even have a local congregation? What am I doing to fit and to follow what Paul is saying here? Mm-hmm. Christianity is a one another religion. Yeah, um, we are not meant to function as indiv- only as individual Christians. Ultim- ultimately, at the end, we will each stand before God ourselves. That's true, but we've got to think about other people. We are not individually the body of Christ. There's a friend of mine who calls certain people who just stay at home and call themselves a Christian hermit disciples, which I, <laughs> I enjoy. But it's just the idea that you just kind of stay and hole up and you do your own thing. And that that's not really what we see here at all. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I just picture Yoda. Yeah. Know, like, hermit disciple. <laughs> yeah, that, that's good. <laughs> but uh, Yoda shined the best when he was training. That is correct. Whatever. So anyway, yeah. so I'm not going to get off into Star Wars. Yeah, we'll do a Star Wars podcast another time. There you go. <laughs> but this picture of the body building itself up in love is exactly what the Lord wants. It is when each part is first saying, okay, I'm going to work properly, do what I need to do before the Lord. And then I'm going to bring nourishment and connection to as many other parts of the body as I can. Um, That's going to be what pleases the Lord and what makes for unity. That has been his theme over and over and over again. So as we grow up and as we find stability, we're not going to bend the winds of doctrine. We're going to speak the truth, but we're going to speak it in love. And we're going to function as a joint to bring nourishment and connection to other parts of the body. Um, these, this is the recipe for sticking together. Mm-hmm. You know, this might not be the, the best analogy, but it's so true in my life that I just remember when I was a kid, I've got several siblings and I just think about all the different bickering and fighting that we used to do as kids. But when we matured, when we grew up, our relationships mm-hmm. became so much more deeper and united when we grew up. Mm-hmm. And that's what it took. We had to grow up and we needed to mature. And that's not to say that kids can't get along. You know, that's not at all my point here. But I think the principle is certainly true that as long as you're a child, you're going to have a hard time uniting with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to grow up at some point. Yeah. Amen. So Lord willing, um, next week we'll, we'll get into some more practical stuff um, as he encourages us to continue to walk in um, a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called. And so Lord willing, we'll get into... Um, how we talk and how we act and some of those more specifics next week. Amen. If uh, you're enjoying what you're here on the podcast, please subscribe, leave us a rating or a review that will help us reach more people. 
If you'd like to study with us, we'd love to talk with you individually, 717-585-0949. You can text or call or shoot us an email at capitalcitychristians at gmail.com. Or for more information, check out capitalcitychristians.com. Thanks so much for listening.